Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. Today, we're going to talk about some discoveries in a teardown of the M2 MacBook Air. Might some chips be in there that are not used just yet? Plus, Apple's got to pay money for that butterfly keyboard that it released in all those laptops and a bunch of grab bag topics. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped, Magic Lasso, and Helix Sleep. You'll hear about them in a moment. And returning to the show, my friend across the pond, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? Hello. It's uh, thinking positively. I've lost a lot of weight in the heat. That's that's how I'm going. UK boiling, reaching for something good to say. Okay. So, I mean, living in Florida, I mean, I, you know, it's just hot all the time. So I've heard that there's like heat going on. I saw your your is it PM Boris? He kind of gave his farewell speech. You got a lot going on over there in the UK. What uh, what is this heat? Is this heat wave like? Yeah. Just is it just summer? Like are you guys like this is just summer season or is this kind of a, a freak thing? No, this well, it's neither really. It's uh, the new future of climate change in the UK. That's uh, unfortunately what it is. So everybody's very happy as we record this. Uh, a couple of days of the worst temperatures of 40 Celsius or so, which is what, over 100 Fahrenheit? That's gone. Things are calming down. Right now it's 17 degrees Celsius where I am. Uh, but you know, it's coming back and I just, I function very badly in the heat. I'm uh, just... Wait a minute. It was over 100 degrees Fahrenheit over there? Yeah. In the UK. Actually, oh yeah, unheard of here. But I understand it's been uh, at least edging towards the 100, if not exceeding it right across the States. So everywhere has been suffering. But you tend to have more air conditioning units there. (laughs) That is true. I mean, especially here in Florida, it's, you know, central air everywhere. And so just, you know, some people get housed in because of blizzards in parts of this country. We get housed in because of heat. So Floridians (laughs) just stay inside, basically, because of the air conditioning. But, uh, you know, William, I think Apple has finally given up because of you. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I think they're listening to this show and they've heard that you will never be convinced to watch the TV show Ted Lasso, even though it's nominated for 20 Emmys, even though it's a widely loved and Apple has not renewed Ted Lasso for a fourth season. Season three is it. They've given up. They said, William's not going to watch it. We're going to stop making it. Show's over. Aww. slightly different way to look at it is it was three seasons and out they were that's what they were going for every now and again jason sudikis would hint that maybe there'd be a fourth but every definite statement from the start has been three and out and i really like that uh things like uh the good place that ended when they wanted to with an actual ending instead of just when people had stopped watching which is the fate of, you know, the majority of sitcoms. <laughs> right. That is the way to go. And, and Good Place is one of my, my all-time favorites. It's a wonderful show. Mm. Like, actually, it feels like it concluded as it intended to, like you're saying. So, yeah, very good. Yeah. But, you know, now that there's only three seasons, I mean, that's not a lot of episodes. You think you'll uh, maybe try it out? There is so much fantastic television <laughs> that interests me more. And I was so put off by the script of Ted Lasso. Oh, uh, my word. I know right. what we're going to say. Uh, right. I keep being told the script isn't everything. Well, really sorry. Yes, it is. It's the characters and the story and what they say and what they do. How it's interpreted, very, very important. But if it starts with some really bad clunky lines oh, in it, right. I'm, right. you know. Have you watched the dart scene? Have you at least seen the dart scene? Like a I have clip no of idea it? what that is. Okay, I'm going to send, if I send you a a one and a half minute clip, will you watch that? Just a one and a half minutes? From Ted Lasso. Yeah. (laughs) And this will change my life. You know, listen, you you can, I I will never try to get you to watch it ever again if you'll just watch this one clip. Will you do that? I just, I've having flashbacks to a friend who went through this same tone of voice, that same facial expression that I can't (laughs) actually see, but I can imagine, over (laughs) Babylon 5. Watch these oh, five episodes. No, we'll have all the five episodes. Forever no, be a no, no. And no. I couldn't make it through number one. So all in all, clip. yeah. I'll send you a brief clip. We'll see. We'll do a follow-up next time around. Oh, the show. it's great. I've watched it now. That's no, really no. Good. Get out of here. Get out of here. Anyway, ah, no thanks to William, but thank you to our five-star <laughs> reviewers. NorCal reviewer from the USA. Newton Triumphant. What a name from Vienna, Austria, all the way internationalism. Oh, Vienna. I've had such romantic times in, in Austria. I've not particularly been oh. to Vienna, but Austria. What a great country. Excellent. It's a wonderful place. Yeah. And another reviewer from the USA. Uh, this is unpronounceable. <laughs> it's uh, XVNFDBKAHCXT. I think that's the XC. Oh, yeah, you might be familiar with him. Yeah, Yeah. he's an old friend, old friend. So anyway, Mm. thank you to all of our five-star reviewers. Appreciate that. We've been been staying in those like uh, top 30 shows on Apple Podcasts, and that's thanks to you guys. So 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating. It's it's wonderful. Well, iOS 15.6 and macOS 12.5 came out. Basically, all your devices have an update. If you haven't updated them already, Apple TV, HomePod, all that. Nothing exciting in this update. It's mainly bug fixes and performance improvements. There's new languages on the HomePod, which alludes to possibly the HomePod mini coming out in more countries like Norway and Sweden. So that's pretty cool. But otherwise, I think I think that's about it. Uh, do you update all your devices, William? Got them all up to date? Slowly. And I was actually intending to do it faster this time on my Apple TV because, oh, oh this, this could be a public service announcement. Oh. If anybody watches YouTube on their Apple TV as much as I do, in the last... 10 days or so that app somehow developed a bug if you you know you you go up and down the menus and you go left and right across the various videos sure, well sure. you can do all of that as normal except in the library and the subscription section it would not let you slide over to any of them and actually my wife Angela was getting very frustrated and she found the solution if you press really hard on the button in Siri, okay. it then seems to switch into the mode to go over it. Uh, so I was actually on the verge of resetting the entire, I'd restarted the app, obviously, restarted the Apple TV, of course. I was going to install the app and see all the updates and see what happened, but she solved it for me. And instead we actually watched chapter 38 of The Good Place. So, you know, oh. <laughs> it was a happy ending all around. There well, you. look at that. Now, are you, so the Siri button or the center button, which did you smash? Uh, sorry, the center button. Center the button, button that's okay. supposed to be select and swipe across. Uh, the YouTube app is really poor on uh, Apple TV. The number of times you have to just yeah. give up and force quit it, start again. I don't have that with any other app than YouTube, but I suppose I don't use great many. YouTube is really keen on you accidentally having the suggested videos swipe up from the bottom. I feel like if you just even look at your Apple TV remote as a YouTube video plays, like all those videos just slide up from the bottom. And then you have to be very careful what button you choose next because one button will kick you out of the video yeah. and another button will hide it. And another button brings you exactly to Ted Lasso. I don't know. But you have to be very, very careful. We play a game here over what is the complete title of the video because on the TV one, it never shows up. <laughs> right. What would you auto-complete it as? And occasionally you get it right. Sometimes it's funnier than that. But the big terror for me is uh, YouTube believes you. If you start watching something, it thinks, right, that's it. They like that. I like that. I'm giving you loads right. of that. Right. So there's a particular channel I cannot bear and i missed that the channel they got me with a clickbait title and for four <laughs> months now i keep being presented with their videos and i will not go in until it was front YouTube page tech learns. wasn't it was it front page tech be be honest um i i uh, other channels are available i nailed it i nailed it nope i know yep i got it okay very good you know i will say speaking of apple tv apps you know there's some apps on the apple tv that are just terrible, let's be honest. And I think one mm. of those that lean more towards bad than good has been the Amazon Prime Video app. And it actually has been recently updated. And so if you're running or update your apps, which trying to update an Apple TV app is is quite a process. Like you have to go to the app store, go to your purchases, like doing it all with the Apple TV remote can be a, a process. But the Prime Video app has been totally redesigned. It has a brand new user interface mm. and it is actually pretty good. And so I am hopeful that the Prime Video app will also be better at just like practically playing things. I don't know if you watch things in Amazon Prime, but... Yeah. Here in the UK, Star Trek Picard plays out on Amazon Prime. I know it's on Paramount okay. Plus in the States, and it presumably it will be Paramount Plus here now we've got it. But that run, the latest run was on Amazon Prime. So I finished watching that season last night, and it did take me a while to find where I'd got to the episodes. Um, I will update and enjoy there you go Up, update and enjoy and because i was watching the new chris pratt show which is a prime original the terminal list hmm. not to be confused with the movie terminal with tom hanks this is very different so don't watch this expecting that but i was watching it and the prime video app on apple tv sometimes will just assume you want to skip an episode i guess uh, and I, yeah. I went on the apple tv app and said you know play next episode it was right there in the up next and it started playing but the recap was showing me things I had never seen before. And I said, wait a minute, why? I'm seeing a whole episode here in a recap. And the Prime Video app just chose to skip an entire episode. So hopefully it's taking care of some of those things too. I've had that on Apple TV's own app, so I don't know where the fault lies with that one. But um, there are, I have often seen, the purpose of a previously, you think is to remind people of what's happened, but no, it isn't. It's to remind people of what's happened that they will specifically need to know for the coming episode. Right. And there have been shows that have put scenes in the previously that were not 
in the previous thing. Really? And then you get things like, yeah, just occasionally it comes up because they obviously had to cut it out for time, realized they needed it. But then you get shows like Community that muck around with all of this and have you know, 10 second flashbacks to episodes that they've never made. Things <laughs> like this. It's just That's a, pretty good. It's a treat. Yeah. The recaps when you watch an episode of Severance is just people walking down hallways. <laughs> That's the entire, it's the entire recap. No, I love Severance. Uh, did you watch Severance? Oh yeah. But have you okay. heard about the, is it uh, San Diego's Comic Con right now over these yes. few days that they've got a Severance experience you can go through? <laughs> That's terrifying idea. That is terrifying. But I did see that. I, I follow the actress who played Heli in Severance and she was tweeting about the San Diego Comic Con, which I thought that was an interesting place for a Severance, the, like the entire Severance cast. And uh, I think the producer and stuff and director there, Ben Stiller, actually directed the show. Uh, if you didn't know, he didn't write it. It was someone else who wrote it. But yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. So there's that. I'm actually looking right now. Variety has a tweet. There's a Severance experience with like a kiosk and it has a lumen a uh, little thing, and then there's a table like that. Heli uh, appears in the very first episode at the beginning, and you can like sit at the table. It's that's pretty wild. Also terrifying. Dan Erickson. It was killing me that I couldn't place his name. Dan Erickson. Dan Erickson wrote and created it. Yes. And it's been such a long project from uh, the original script. The first draft of the script that got to any stage with any network was is now over five years old. Right. Um, and it's very different. I mean, it's very, it's the same, but it's very different. It's fascinating right. to see how it developed. I was actually listening to the Smartless podcast. It's with Will Arnett, oh. Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes, but they were interviewing Ben Stiller and they talked about Severance in that episode. I'll put a link to that podcast. And Ben Stiller was saying he read the script and really liked the concept. It was very different, obviously, if you've seen it, but nobody had wanted to pick it up. And so Apple was actually the one streaming service that was kind of willing to to do it. And so I thought that was pretty cool. Obviously, it has paid off because it's yeah, popular. Yeah, good on them. Yeah. It's nice to see something creating something special and being rewarded. Yeah, and it, it is very different. Let me tell you, it, it is a, it's a, it's a wild show. It's slow, slow moving at first, but invest the time. It's, it's pretty good. Also, just a, on a side note, studio displays. I mentioned last week that I put myself in line for a studio display. And I actually got an email. Apple said shipping time has improved. And so now it looks like mid to late August, which originally it was end of August, September. And so it looks like shipping times for studio display is improving slightly. So I know it doesn't compare to William's 50 inch widescreen monitor, but I'm excited for the 27 inches. I think that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. And I think far higher resolution than I've got. So yes. What is it? Is that a 1080p? The widescreen one? Uh, it's fifty-one twenty by fourteen forty. Um, okay, okay. It's not. It's not quite anything, really. Not exactly retina. <laughs> no, I'd, it's better than I had before, so it seems good. But sure, sure, sure. I would like wider, and I'd very much like taller. So um, wait, I will envy you, except not wanting to swap you saying you'd like wider like you'd like an even wider monitor than the one you have now? yeah absolutely it'd be very nice I, I mean okay i'm using spaces and things now to get everything on only for certain things i do i mean yeah, if i'm writing a script it's like dead center of the screen right. everything else gone but every now and again <laughs> okay well, i need our listeners to to understand i was not joking about the 50 inch william has a 49 inch ultra widescreen monitor and what he is saying in this moment is that he would like one even larger i mean what what is your threshold here <laughs> You want a 60 inch, a 70 inch? Well, what are you what are you hoping to achieve? Uh, it is curved, so I've been trying to work out what the radius would be if I had enough of the screen to go all the way around. Um, wow. I haven't looked at the budget for that, but you know, step I, at a time. I don't even know if they make something like that. Uh, I'm googling now for 70 inch widescreen monitor, but it just seems that just 49 inches are coming up. There are people who use their giant TV sets as monitors, and I'm never very clear whether that's a great or a really bad idea if they're. You know, because TV can't be being built to uh, have the resolution for text, but if people are using it, then... Yeah. You know. Well, I'm going to leave this link in the show notes, William, because I had just found an 88-inch widescreen monitor from LG. Wow. 88-inch ultra wide it is 4k resolution but at 88 inches that is definitely not retina oh. but uh yeah you can uh nuts yeah. yes yeah. i want it <laughs> i think i want it it's a measly eleven thousand oh. dollars which i think is about eighty thousand pounds but you know yeah. it's available you can get it is it in blue at all is there <laughs> you can get a blue wallpaper i mean come on uh yeah no no blue no blue all right well, speaking of blue 
and Midnight. Let's talk about the M2 MacBook yeah, Air. Yeah, I see you we like did that. Very like, good. Yeah, <laughs> the transition. Thank you. So Max Tech YouTube channel they actually did a teardown of the M2 MacBook Air, and also iFixit did their normal teardown as well. A couple of interesting tidbits they found inside. It actually has an accelerometer in the M2 MacBook Air, and Max Tech believes that there is a U1 chip also found in the M2 MacBook Air. Now. Usually MacBooks don't have an accelerometer and they have not had a U1 chip up until this point. I'm not sure what an accelerometer would be used for. I mean, I don't think people are tilting their laptop 90 degrees and, and looking at the screen uh, vertically, but a U1 chip I think would be very exciting, especially for things like AirDrop and other kind of home type things. And this is also on the heels. You can listen to Homekit Insider on Monday. We talk about some of the recent developments in Thread and U1 and all that, but if you could somehow have a presence detector or occupancy detector in your home that runs automations, say for instance, keep the lights on in a room that I'm sitting in and the U1 chip in your Apple devices, mm. your iPhone already has one, but also your M2 MacBook Air, your U1 chip could communicate to your HomePod or other devices in a room and your presence there could trigger certain automations. I think that would be great. And there's a whole world of U1 available even just to improve AirDrop, I think would be welcome. But I thought that was interesting. What, what do you think uh, Apple might do with a U1 chip? And then also, what is your experience with AirDrop on a Mac? Because sometimes that can be a little flaky. Yeah, yeah occasionally it just won't work for some reason. But most right. of the time, so my mind's kind of coming in three directions here. Well, I'm thinking about the accelerometer. My first thought was it's for drop detection. And perhaps it is, but it used to be that there were devices that if they detected they were falling, they would pull the heads back from the oh, that's spinning right. hard drive to protect it. But of course, there's no spinning hard drive. Drive. So what would it protect? Can't be that. And you said they're not. They think there's a U1 chip in there. Were they distracted? Did they not look? <laughs> uh, what did they tripped over? Something? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, they could have dropped a U1 chip in while they were examining it, and then that's that's where all this came from. Yeah. Well, what was interesting also with the U1 is chipmaker Corvo Q O R V O said that there's some new U1 functionality that's going to work in tandem with iOS 16 apps and third parties will have access to that U1 chip. This is something that has not been available before. The ultra wideband chip was really just for Apple's Find My, also things like AirDrop. Well, now companies will be able to make MFI certified, which is made for iPhone certified, U1 enabled accessories, and third party brands will have access to that. Accessory makers can use the Corvo's chips uh, to create those kinds of accessories, and then equipped iPhone and Apple Watch models can interact with those U1 devices. You know, maybe there's a new world opening up for U1 chip. That might be nice. Mm. So anyway, all that I think is very interesting. And this possible U1 chip in the MacBook Air, I think lends itself to that too. Also, I don't know if you saw all these videos circling uh, Twitter and the internet, but apparently the M2 MacBook Air has a special power where you can actually have infinite charging ability. <laughs> uh, which, that's not accurate. But what you can do is take the MagSafe cable that came with your M2 MacBook Air Plug the USB-C side of the cable into your MacBook Air and then the MagSafe connector into the MagSafe <laughs> port and your MacBook Air will register that it is charging with just being connected to itself. Okay. And uh, not sure what happens. I don't know if that opens a black hole in the universe, but you can uh, charge your MacBook Air, I guess. Uh, I, I imagine it would run down eventually, but... That's something. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because you can use your iPads to charge your iPhone. That's something that Apple actually has sanctioned. You know, that was a feature thing that I think it was when the M1 iPads were launched. They talked about 5G and they also talked about charge your iPhone from your iPad. You know, you connect a USB-C to Lightning and, and you can charge it. So mm -hmm. I don't, you can't charge your own MacBook Air. Like that, no, it's not, it's no. not infinite power. Let's just be clear. Yeah. Who thought to even try that? What minds I believe, totally wondered what happens? I believe okay. the first one to try it was now Greg's Gadgets. No, 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 no. The first one to try. You mean multiple people have been trying this out? Well, this um, is one of those things where it's unclear who was actually the first one, but once they post it, then every creator makes the same video basically for themselves. Oh, okay. And so like I, Justine did it, MKBHD did it, people on TikTok <laughs> did it. And it became very popular when it was like, who is the originator? You know, who is like patient zero for this funny right. video? And I believe it's Greg's Gadgets. I believe. This, you this, you got to try this weird stuff, William. This is how you go viral on the internet. Just connect things to things. See what happens. Okay. You know, right. uh, connect that monitor to your iPhone or something. See what happens. You never know. I'll get, I'll get right on it. Yeah, um, I appreciate it. Yes. Maybe, maybe connect your HomePod mini to your monitor 
because <laughs> your HomePod Mini's got USB-C on one end. Try that. You never know. It's still hot where you are, isn't it? I, I'm starting very to suspect. Hot. Yeah, it's very <laughs> hot over here. But it, it's, it's hot here all the time. Let's see the current temperature right now, 91. 91 degrees Fahrenheit. I have no idea what that is in Celsius, but it's hot. No, me neither, but quite a bit. Right. This episode of Apple Insider is brought to you by Magic Lasso Adblock. Listen, do you want to experience twice as fast load times in Safari on your iPhone, iPad, and Mac? Then download Magic Lasso Adblock. It's the ad blocker designed. It's easy to set up, blocks all YouTube ads, and doubles the speed at which Safari loads. Magic Lasso is an efficient, high-performance, and free ad blocker. I've actually used Magic Lasso for quite a while now. It's one of my favorites. With over 4,000 five-star reviews, it's simply the best Safari ad blocker for your iPhone, iPad, and your Mac. Magic Lasso blocks intrusive ads, trackers, and annoyances, letting you experience a faster, cleaner, and more secure web browsing experience. And unlike some other ad blockers, Magic Lasso respects your privacy and they don't accept payment from advertisers. That's a huge deal. So stop being followed around the web by blocking all ad trackers and ensuring that your browsing history is not harvested by ad networks. And the app also blocks over 10 types of YouTube ads, including video ads, banner, search, and suggested product ads. So join over 200,000 users and download Magic Lasso ad block for free from the App Store. And as a special offer for Apple Insider listeners, go to magiclasso.co slash Apple Insider to receive one month free access to all the app's pro features. That's www.magiclasso.co slash Apple Insider. One month free access to Magic Lasso's pro features. Our thanks again to Magic Lasso Adblock for their support of the Apple Insider podcast. So if you recall, William, the butterfly keyboard, which existed in MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, and MacBook models between 2015 and 2019, much bemoaned, nobody liked the butterfly keyboard. Well, there is actually now a $50 million settlement. And those who have purchased a MacBook Pro and had their keyboard serviced during those years and are in the states, California, Florida, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, and Washington, will actually get a payout a maximum payout of $395 if you had to replace multiple keyboards, $125 if you had to replace once a keyboard, and $50 if you had to replace keycaps. And so it seems like it is uh, finally official that that butterfly keyboard was not very good. Did you ever have a laptop with the butterfly keyboard? I didn't own one, but I used various other people's and actually I, I quite liked the feel. I remember the original, you know, the six, the MacBook that was just the moment, not the Air, not the Pro, the 12 inch. Yeah. Thank you. That one I thought was a really nice oh, machine. Nice. And in the odd half hour I would use it, uh, I found it fun and I, I, I even liked it. But I don't know. I'm reasonably sure part of the problem was repairs were really expensive. So I'm not convinced that $50 for keycaps and 125 and all of this actually makes up for. Well, uh, the loss of time, for one thing, forget that it doesn't touch that, but even the, just the straight uh, Apple right. Store repair costs, uh, do they really cover? I don't know. I, I think, um, I mean, Joanna Stern was really banging the drum all those years, because especially the MacBook Air having it. Yeah. But I think it was also long wait times, like they would ship your key, you know, your computer away, and it would take a long time to get back, and sometimes that would be the case. But yeah. I remember I had a 12-inch MacBook for a time. <clears throat> I also had a, a MacBook Pro with a butterfly keyboard for a time. And I, it never stopped working on me. It never did, like, double E's or double spaces. I also didn't, like, eat Cheetos over the keyboard or, like, blueberry muffins. So I don't know. I don't know how much, like, food and other, like, use cases. You know, if you're using it on the road, traveling a lot with it, probably more susceptible to crumbs and, and things like that that might affect the butterfly keyboard. I will say that 12-inch MacBook was really nice. Like the light and thinness of that 12-inch MacBook, it was reminiscent because my first Mac was a 12-inch PowerBook G4. Oh, and so, those gorgeous yeah, machines. Yes. Wonderful machine. Oh. I loved it. Incredible how small it was. Yeah. And so that 12-inch MacBook was very reminiscent of it. But of course, I had an Intel M processor, which is terrible, not the M Apple Silicon chips. This was an Intel M chip, and that was not good. And I would love, you know, there's been rumors about Apple doing different sizes in their MacBooks. To get a 12-inch MacBook now with an M series chip, mm -hmm. I think that would be pretty sweet. I mean, it would be, you know, battery life would probably be good, not as good as probably the larger MacBooks, but that would actually, I think, be a decent computer and ultra light and portable. I'd be interested in that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Makes you wonder what would happen to the air, though, because the air is getting more like the Pro. Well, they could they could bring that wedge design and say, mm. hey, the wedge is still around or the wedge is back, but this is just the, the MacBook model. I've been seeing a lot of side-by-side comparisons. We have our review on the website also, but, you know, it is different. It is a very different design from that tapered look that the MacBook has had since day one, you know, since Steve Jobs pulled it out of the manila envelope to the current MacBook Air, which it is still very thin. But it is not the same sveltness, we'll say, if that is a word. You know, it's it's not as felt, I don't think. It still is thin, but that, that wedge shape, I think, was very iconic. And yeah. I think now it's, it's gone now. That's it. Oh. Uh, I wish you felt that way about Ted Lasso being over, but whatever. That's fine. Somehow there are things that I get over quicker than others. I don't know <laughs> yeah. what it is. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure. For sure. Well, we had an article talking about Thunderbolt docks on Apple Insider. So I wanted to mention a couple that I enjoy. I don't know if you have any docs that you use with your stuff, but you, well, you have a Mac Mini sitting there. I have a Mac yes. Studio. Do, do you employ any docs in your workflow? Yeah, I suppose. I'm trying to look at what it is. I bought a kind of cheap USB-A, uh, really, mostly USB-A uh, dock adapter to let me plug in some bits and pieces, but it's not yeah. been the center of my life. I'm really into it when I bought it because I got two in a row that literally didn't work. So I started to get very problem. Uh, very concentrated on this. And then when this one did and it worked and it was fine, it's just stuck over there in the corner of the desk and I've forgotten it. Plus, I have a small part. This has got to be so obscure. But whenever somebody talks about Thunderbolt 3, I picture Thunderbirds, uh, a Jerry Anderson <laughs> series. I cannot get it out of my head. <laughs> Thunderbolt 3 to the rescue. You know, it's... Uh, oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very specific problem. Very, got, very specific but... sense memory. Yeah. That's okay. That's all right. Yes. Well, I will say I, I used for a long time when I was running my M1 MacBook Pro, the 13 inch, I used the OWC Thunderbolt dock, which had all the ports that I wanted. It had an SD card on the front, micro and full size SD card. I had a headphone jack as well if you wanted to plug in speakers. Also had Ethernet on the back, USB A, and then a, an additional USB C port. Really liked the OWC Thunderbolt dock for that kind of variety. But now I have my Mac Studio, which has wonderful ports, great port selection, SD card slot right on the front. It's really great. I've been loving my Mac Studio. The only thing that I needed was more USB ports, like you were saying. And so oh. it's mentioned in our article, but I also have the CalDigit Elements dock. It's a Thunderbolt 4 dock. And what you do is you connect it and it gives you three open Thunderbolt ports and four open USB-A ports. And so I use those for a couple external drives that I connect via the USB-C ports. And then USB-A, I actually have the Stream Deck pedal. I've plugged that into the USB-A. Also, I have an older Stream Deck before it was USB-C. So that's taking up a second USB-A. And then get this. This is, you know, the real unique one. Two USB-A ports are needed for my external Blu-ray disc reader. What? <laughs> that's, that's what's connected in the final USB-A ports on that, uh, that dock. So I've been ripping some some DVDs and Blu-rays. Legally, of course. Very legally. Would I understand why you need two of them? Is it... Apparently the Blu-ray throughput, like because of the amount of data, I guess like a Blu-ray disc might need, it requires the two USB-A ports. This uh, I've had two devices that require two USB-A ports. One is that Blu-ray drive, and then my audio device, actually. It can connect either via USB-C, which is 3.1, or you'll have a breakout cable to two USB-A ports because it just needs more data throughput for what it's transferring, I guess, in real time to the computer. So, mm, interesting. Yeah. I actually want a Blu-ray drive for my Mac, but I realize uh, mostly for, there's a series called the Doctor Who Collection, uh, old series, classic Doctor Who brought out in gorgeous new collections, all remastered and tons of extras and all that. And I'm less interested in the show because I've seen them and because we have... The episodes are streaming, nowhere near the same quality, but it's, it's there. I can just nip to any episode I like, fine. But mo at least most, I believe all of these collections also include the full production studio scripts for every episode. And I would love to read those. Wow. But that means buying a Blu-ray drive, spending, yeah. is it 30 pounds per collection? Might be even four, some $40, somewhere around there to pull off a dozen PDF files for it. And I'm, I'm having trouble. Yeah justifying that to myself but yeah well i'll put the model that i got it's 90 dollars. it's an lg oh. blu-ray writer and reader and it connects directly to the mac uh you don't have to install any kind of utility or anything and i mean it works good i'll tell you the, the combo to get 
mm-hmm. is a Blu-ray drive like that and Make MKV. Have you ever used Make MKV? No, don't know that one at all. Make MKV, mm-hmm. if you want to rip discs, Make MKV, uh, you do buy it. It's hilarious. It's beta still, but it's been beta for like the last 10 years. <laughs> and I don't know. <laughs> It works great. I, I, like, I've never had an issue with it, but make MKV, you can get it from Mac, you buy the license, and when you insert a DVD or Blu-ray, it will make an MKV file. You can choose all the different titles from the disc that you want to rip, even the captions and languages that you want mm. from each title, and it makes an MKV file, and then you pair that also with a Plex server, what I've been doing, ripping discs, putting them on my Plex server on the Synology that I recently acquired. And then those MKV files are just immediately playable. You don't have to convert the MKV files. You just put them on your server, wherever Plex is pulling from. And then I can go to my Apple TV, Plex app, and literally stream those MKV files and just watch them. And that's it. And so MKV, make MKV. It's, it's the way to rip stuff. Exactly what I've been doing. Apart from the Synology bit, I just have a hard drive plugged in my Mac Mini, but I've been ripping. Because uh, when I used to work at the BBC, we get loads of preview discs and things and the shows I really like and they're mounted up. Um, so I've been ripping loads of those and I have so many, so many DVDs that I, I, I don't really have a DVD player anymore anywhere. So I've been steadily going through them all. And yes, yeah, yeah. put it in my plex. I use a thing called EaseFab DVD Ripper, which I just had to look up while you were talking. <laughs> there is no question, but it has to have been a Windows app because oh, yeah. you have to. F- I have to force quit it all the time just to get the disc out and things like this. But, you know, it does the job. So. <laughs> well, okay, well, I guess I'll put a link to that too. <laughs> no, I wouldn't hurry. To <laughs> okay, it. okay, um, okay. Let's try yeah. out your one. Uh, okay, okay. We'll go yeah, with yours. MKV. Yes. Make MKV. I'll put a link in that one. Yeah, I went to the, I found it, easefab.com. I won't put it in the show notes, but easefab.com. And it's okay. like Windows, try it free, Windows C pricing. And then there's a little green link. I need a Mac version. And then when you click that, you can you can get the Mac. Right. Um, I would like to claim that this was your idea, not mine. I have nothing to do with it. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Let's uh-huh. just okay. put that out there. Did you did you get a Plex lifetime license when you got it? No, actually. Um, I can't remember which version I've gone for with Plex, but quite a lowest sort of level for it, right? Yeah. There's. I can't even remember what the benefits of a lifetime one were. What, what do you get? I don't even know. I, I just wanted to not pay for it yearly or monthly. And so mm. they were having a deal at one point for a lifetime membership. And so I jumped on it. Cool. But it's typically uh, the an- the monthly is $5. Annual is $40. Lifetime is 120 But when I got it, the lifetime was on sale for like $75. $75, I think. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So right. it's a, the lifetime is worth it, especially if you're going to be ripping stuff or you know, just like I have my, this is going to be, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but I was in a lot of musicals when I was in high school. And so oh, yeah. I have musicals. Two of them are on VHS. And so right. no idea how I want to do that. But I got uh, my later two, junior and senior year, I have DVD recordings of my musicals. And so ripped those, put them on the Plex server, and now I can stream my high school musicals from any device anywhere in the world. It's pretty cool. Um, I also, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, but I got my dad a high eight millimeter camcorder because his was broken and he has like a suitcase full of high eight tapes. And so I got him a new camcorder Mm. off eBay that works. And then I got him one of those digital converters from Amazon where you can connect a camera directly to this little box. And then you put a USB stick in the, in the converter and you can literally play from your camera and make digital files directly onto that USB drive. And he's been doing that. And he's been saving home movies from 35 years ago from his high eight tapes. Wow. And he's been putting them in an iCloud <laughs> shared folder. And so now I can just jump in there and stream home videos from, uh, yeah, from my okay. childhood. Uh, is that good or special torture? <laughs> I don't know that I would like to look back at me. It's weird. It's weird anger. seeing yourself at eight and nine years old uh, in a grainy high eight uh you know, thing that's not like William kids these days are not going to know all the videos of them are in 4k 60 frames per second iPhone video. That's true. It's gonna be like, I want to see my baby video. And it's going to be like, you know, in virtual reality, 4k, but are, you know, do you, do you have videos of yourself when you were like yeah. a kid? Was that, a, was it like on a stone tablet or yeah. how did they record those? 
Oh, thank you very much. I was enjoying this. Um, I would like to point out that in however many years' time it is before children of today grow up, we would have gone through, we'll be way past 8K, we'll be into something incredibly unimaginable. Like, That's true. As I, I said, I've been watching Doctor Who episodes. You look at them, and even though they're restored, they're still grainy and old, but you know they looked fantastic at the time. Everybody thought that was the pinnacle of television sure. kind of thing. People will move on, and our 4K videos will be granddad's format <laughs> very, very soon. I'm, I'm really curious... What, yeah, what will be next? I'm curious because 4K video is still prohibitively large and difficult to manage, even over current internet connections. And, you know, it's doable for sure if you're just transferring a file. But I wonder how that will work from like cellular speed and like video compression, like all those different factors that go into recording and sharing and delivering that kind of video, how fast it all needs to advance at the same time. Uh, I've listened to John Syracuse talk about this on the ATP podcast. You know, he really thinks like 8K may be in our lifetime, but actually anything bigger than that might be prohibitively difficult to work with and we might not see it. So I don't know. I still remember when I had to drag out a phone wire from underneath our stairs and plug it inside of the computer and listen to that noise going yes. on. Yes. Yeah, I did too. Yes. And... Uh, Quick time movies were this posted. No, that's not fair. Quick time was always good. The real Microsoft player videos were <laughs> real like, player videos. Uh, real player, good <laughs> yes, grief! Yeah. Yes, Postage stamp size. Yes. Yeah. The, and now, and now, what well, I don't watch actual broadcast television. <laughs> can't compare it. It's just everything's everything is better that is online. True. That is true. Uh, well, speaking of docs again, we, we we went a long way from it, but I do want to mention Bridge B R Y D G E. Bridge makes vertical docks for MacBooks. I used their Bridge vertical dock with my 13-inch M1 MacBook Pro and loved it. They just give you two Thunderbolt connections out, and it kind of was able to create a whole dock system with that. And I liked the vertical docks because it saves desk space. Well, nothing was available for the remodeled MacBook Pros, which are going to be a year old pretty soon. But Bridge just announced a new vertical dock. They're calling it their Pro Dock. This will fit the 14-inch and even 16-inch M1 Pro and M1 Max MacBook Pros. They're also going to have one for the new M2 MacBook Air. But this is a little different. It's not just two ports out the back and a svelte vertical profile. This is actually a whole docking station. So they're actually giving you things like Ethernet and USB and even like a wireless Qi charging mat for a phone on this dock. <laughs> and so I tweeted it because I was just excited. I was excited. There's a vertical dock now from Bridge for these new laptops. And I loved my previous one. And Neil Hughes, friend of the show, he was on the show for many years. You know, he was like, mm, it's kind of big. And actually a couple of people replied to my tweet and they're like, it is kind of bulky. You kind of lose the whole desk space savings of something like this. It is also not inexpensive. It's going to be $399 and it'd be available this fall. It's not available just yet. You can pre-order it now. So I'm glad a vertical dock exists for these. I really liked mine, but it is, um, it is pretty beefy. It's pretty large, so I think it's really going to depend on your use case. But mm. try a vertical dock. I liked it. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. All right, gentlemen and scholars out there, one of the things we need to do is keep ourselves groomed. That's where Manscaped comes in because they have the best products for all kinds of grooming, even those sensitive areas. And because they've partnered with us, you can get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code APPLEINSIDER at manscaped.com. You can save big and get the most hygienic version of yourself. So part of my job is doing a lot of videos and being on camera, especially when you're in that 4K resolution, you have to make sure you are trimmed up, especially nose and ears hairs. And that's why I love using the Manscaped products to make sure that I am groomed, looking my best. One of my favorite products is actually the Weed Whacker, which is a fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer. I've used it many times, never has it pulled a hair. Their skin-safe technology is great, not only for nose and ears, but when you use their Lawnmower 4.0, this is the masterful electric trimmer and it can trim your hair both in your sensitive areas and really all over your body because they're skin safe technology. And that's thanks to their ceramic blade and advanced skin safe technology. You can be confident you're not going to hurt yourself using this. And it's amazing, it's waterproof. I use it in the shower. It's got an LED light so you can actually see in the dark. And what I highly recommend is their Performance Package 4.0. You can get the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, 
plus you get the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, plus you get two free gifts with that performance package. You get the Shed Travel Bag and the patented High Performance Reduced Chafing Manscaped Boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website too that will help you maximize your confidence and your grooming game. So get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code APPLEINSIDER, all one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use our promo code APPLEINSIDER, and it's time you level up from the Amazon with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. Our thanks to Manscaped for sponsoring this episode. Apple Arcade. They said a bunch of games are going to be leaving Apple Arcade, and I was curious what that meant. You know, I didn't really... Think about Apple Arcade games leaving and coming, but this is apparently due to licensing deals that Apple has with specific game makers. These are not Apple original games, meaning games that they have developed for Apple Arcade, but some games that have come in and will soon be going. And so there's a list. We'll put the article in the show notes. First of all, I wanted to see if you remembered this whole idea of like a vault or things leaving and coming from a service. Do you ever remember the Disney vault? Back in the day? Oh, yes, yes. I remember. Uh, a really clever marketing. Oh, thing, yeah. Wasn't it? Bring out a VHS or a DVD right. for a very limited period and get everybody excited and take it away again. I'd forgotten about it, but yes, that was clever. You think that's what's going on here to drive up demand for the missing well, games of whatever they are? Probably not, because Apple said that developers can still keep their game for sale in the App Store. It's just not going to be a part of the Apple Arcade subscription service. But I had flashbacks because the Disney vault, I remember seeing those commercials and they would show this large circular bank door yes. closing on the Lion King VHS tape saying it's going away for a long time. <laughs> like A wave of anxiety. I remember as a kid, I was like, oh no, are you saying I could never see this movie if I don't own it? Oh. And I think it's hilarious now because Disney Plus has every Disney movie ever. Like there is, yes, there is no more Disney yes. vault. It is just all out there for everyone to see. But as a kid, it was a very visceral feeling when i saw that vault closing and so apparently the detail is if a game leaves the arcade and say you are an apple arcade subscriber or you have it in the apple one services bundle you can play it for two weeks even after the game has left apple arcade but after those two weeks if the developer keeps it for sale in the app store you can then buy it directly from the developer but you will lose access after those two weeks and i, I thought that was interesting because it's the kind of the first time and again this is really dependent on developers and their deals with apple but it's the first time that you'll actually not be able to use an app that you have downloaded in the past on your Apple device. Mm -hmm. And one of the fun things to do if you've not done it, if you go to the App Store and look at your purchases and scroll all the way down, you can see apps that they might not be in the store anymore because the developer has removed them. But if you have really old apps that you downloaded when you first got your iPhone or even iPod Touch in my case, you can like re-download those apps and they're still available there. And this feels like the first time that something might not be available even though it was on your device at one point. And apparently if you open a game that's been removed from the arcade after those two weeks, it will say that this game is not available or not playable as it is. And so I thought that was a very interesting, uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. It's not actually completely true that you can always re-download for it. Um, and I don't understand when it isn't, but 10, 15 years ago, I worked with a company that um, as kind of like a side project had an atrocious app. I mean, <laughs> so bad. Um, I was actually involved in consulting on it just before they went in. And I said, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot put this into Apple because there are these, I think I said 29 major failings in it that will cause it to be rejected. And a few days later, Apple, Apple came back rejecting it with 30 criticisms. <laughs> and I was so annoyed that I'd missed one. Um, but so they, 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 I don't think they fixed it. They got it by, they got it in. But I loathed this, this abhorrent app. And I would use it whenever they asked me a question about it. And then I would just delete it to get rid of it. So every now and again, they would say, William, you've got the app. What happens when you do this and this? And I go, yeah, yeah, just give me a minute. I'm on a phone call. Quickly re-download the app, try not to go again. And one day it would, would not, not download. download again. See, I th if an app has been removed, like if the developer removes the app from the app store, or there's some app store update where, you know, an app has to oh, comply yeah. with either like 64 bit or something and the developer doesn't update their app, then it will be made unavailable. But like I've just gone and I've scrolled all the way down to the bottom of my app store purchases. The very first one is iTunes remote. That was the first app I ever got. And then secondly, aim, 
AOL Instant Messenger, wow. chat, text, photo, share, voice oh, message. Right. That was the second app I ever downloaded. That was July 12th, 2008, apparently, because that was when the, Goodness. I guess it was the App Store was available then, because I had an iPod Touch, mm. and I got that in December 2007, after the iPhone came out. And so this must have been just right when the App Store launched. I have to Google this. Do you know the date the App Store launched? I was actually very surprised that the games were gone, but I probably shouldn't have been because Apple now is it's a service company more than it is even hardware and software. And international rights are so complex. I mean, everybody talks about, um, I don't know enough about games, but films, TV, Coda, right. this Oscar-winning success for Apple. Uh, Apple spent an amazing amount of money buying that film not from the makers, but from every single country who had bought it before right. them so that it would become an Apple exclusive. And they did not succeed. Oh. There are certain countries in the world that would not sell it, oh. sell the rights to Apple, because having an Oscar winner uh, is like a tentpole for the rest of your output. And it really drives up prices. And Apple just couldn't wow. pay enough to get That's it. something. Rights are incredibly complicated. I mean, I mentioned um, Sartre Picard on Amazon Prime here i i'd be astonished if this the third season mm. was next year because rights expire rights move yeah. on and it's that's the that's way it. of the world now well i finally found an article and i didn't even realize it was an apple insider article in, for a few seconds but this is july 10th mm. in 2008 july 10th 2008 was wow. when the app store launched and so my first apps downloaded on my ipod touch were july 12th so it took me two days to get on the bandwagon and start downloading apps apparently what were you doing? I don't know Gosh. what I was doing, but uh, that, was, that was what it was. So anyway, yes, some do become unavailable for various reasons, but yeah, I'll be interested to see what, what games maybe stay in there. And I don't know if you have a game that you love that's leaving arcade and you're mad about it. Uh, tweet at William and I. I'm curious if this affects someone uh, really, you know. There's a new London Apple store opening. It's actually opening at the end of this month. It is Apple Brompton Road Store. It's actually the first new Apple store in the UK since Apple Edinburgh in 2014. So it's been... Oh, so, oh you're going to get me on the pronunciation, aren't you? Um, you know, so, I'm sorry, you've got to stop me there. Uh, it's oh, Edinburgh. Excuse me. Yes. I mean, Edinburgh, not Edinburgh. Sorry. I, I, you know, I, I, I knew I was pronouncing yeah. it wrong as I said it, but I could But you I took a run-up at it and figured if you just take a jeep, a jeep, <laughs> a leap. I just conflated <laughs> jump and leap into jeep. I take a jeep at it, see if you get I there. Knew, okay. I knew it was wrong. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't fix it in time. I, w I was reading it. So, so let me let me try again. <laughs> Since Apple Edinburgh, is that good? Yes, that's that was fine. Okay, very good. So, yes. <laughs> twenty fourteen, nearly, nearly absolutely good, correct. Nearly correct. Okay. It's been eight years since you guys have had a new Apple store, and so it's opening July twenty eighth. Yeah, yeah. We've had some serious renovations, um, major upgrades. And hang on, I just saluted when I said major upgrades. There, sorry, to <laughs> have it there. Um, <laughs> But this is the first brand new one, and it isn't half in a very posh area. It's in Knightsbridge. Oh. It's like a, a three-minute stroll down from Harrods. This, uh, well, I, here in the UK, we believe Harrods is this world-famous department store. Maybe the rest of the world hasn't heard of it, but if it's incredibly expensive, it's in Harrods. <laughs> and I actually knew someone whose aunt lived in Harrods, so I was very impressed with that. And now uh, she's got an Apple store down the road. Are you going to be able to visit it? Perfect. Are you going to try and visit this thing? I, you should, yeah. I would hope. Um, if they're still alive, it was a while ago. And no, 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 you, no, you, you. Are rich. you going to visit this new Apple Me? Brompton Road store? Um, I won't seek it out, especially, but I, I do do some work that's not very far away from there. So um, should anything come up, or I have an amount of money that it isn't too risky walking into sure, an Apple store sure. and seeing a studio display, then I might well I mean, just well, try that. This is that. how you go viral yes. on the internet. You go to an Apple store opening, you film yourself with, I mean, Tim Cook might be there. William, Tim Cook might be at this store opening. It's the first one in UK for eight years. Mm -hmm. I think you should go. Yeah, I think you should go. Listeners, mm -hmm. tweet at William. Tell him, go. Forget Ted Lasso. All right, you're not going to watch it. Go to this Apple store opening. You might even get an Apple t-shirt. You can't even get those unless you go to the, the spaceship. You got uh, to go to the store opening. It's an interesting thing. Here, it, it's here in the UK. That's over 100 miles away from me. Uh, in the UK, we believe 100 miles is a long way. Whereas in America, I understand you believe 100 years is a long time. That's said to be the difference <laughs> oh, oh, oh. between our cultures. Oh, that's pretty yeah. good. Oh, I'm sorry. So this thing is 100 miles away from you? 
I didn't realize that. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought I. I used to drive to London. Um, I'd leave about four or five in the morning. Uh, get down, do eight to twelve hours for the BBC, and then drive back again. So it would be dark when I was going. Radio Four would be starting up on the way. Radio Four would be closing down on the way back, and it was so peaceful sure. on the motorways. Uh, half asleep at that time of night. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, even so, William, I really. If I see pictures from this store opening and Tim Cook is there and you're not, I'll be very upset. Very upset. I, I mean, I, will I? I will apologize so much I to you. I, I will grieve on your behalf every moment we're talking anyway. about it. And okay, uh, well, I hope you do. I hope you go. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Listen, sleep is so important. You need to be rested so when you wake up the next day, you're ready to focus. You're ready to get some work done or have some fun. You don't want to feel groggy all day. And getting that important sleep is critical. You've probably slept on mattresses you get from department stores or mattress stores. All of those are inferior. I can tell you from experience because the Helix Sleep mattress that I've been using for quite some time is the most comfortable mattress providing me the best sleep I think I've ever had. Here's the deal. You go to helixsleep.com slash Apple Insider and you take a quiz. It just takes two minutes, but it matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Everybody's unique. Everybody's unique. Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. Soft, medium, and firm. I took the quiz. I prefer like a medium firmness. I like sleeping on my side. And so they matched me with the Helix Plus and I have not looked back since. It's an incredible mattress. So if you're looking to upgrade your sleep, take the quiz at helixsleep.com slash Apple Insider. Order your mattress you're matched to. And then the mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. Helix is awesome, but you don't need to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. They also have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even come and pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I know you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Apple Insider. That's helixsleep.com slash Apple Insider. A thanks to Helix for sponsoring this episode. Uh, this guy put a USB-C on an, uh, on an AirPods case, and it's just amazing to me how obsessed people are with putting USB-C inside Apple devices. That have yes. It's just that this is a crazy obsession with putting USB-C in AirPods and iPhones. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's I, I want to see somebody do it with AirPods Max, because I, I might actually buy that. But oh, No, 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 no. Come on, let's aim higher. I want to see USB-C on an Apple Watch. <laughs> That would be, that would be. <laughs> yeah, that would be something for sure. Is lightning dead, William? Are, are we? Is lightning long in the tooth? It's been, what, 12 years? Well, I used to have so many of those 30-pin dot oh, connectors, yeah. and then they made the change. And the next thing I knew, I seemed to have so many lightning cables and no 30-pin yep. dot connectors. And now I just seem to have loads of USB-C. Every time you go for a cable, it's not the one you want. But <laughs> That is true. Yeah. That's a rule of the universe. Uh, you bring an umbrella, it won't rain. Yes. You forget your umbrella, it will rain. Reach for a cable, it's not the one mm -hmm. you want. Uh, all of those things are true. That's no. science. I think the, that new uh, JW uh, telescope actually found that out. So we're 10 years. We're 10 years into lightning because the iPhone 5 came out 2012. It's time. It's time, William. 10 years. It's enough. Let's do it. My wife is actually traveling today. I drove her to the airport earlier today, and she was like, uh, can you give me some chargers? Because usually I'm in charge of like the travel charging situation. And so I gave her a MagSafe Duo like I do. But then I was like, oh, what cables do I give her? Because I wanted to give her an Anchor battery pack, which charges via USB-C. But I needed to give her lightning for the MagSafe Duo. And it's just a mess. Will you miss time? Do you think it's time? Would you, would you be glad yes. for Apple to go all USB-C? I would have said so, but now that we can plug our devices into themselves <laughs> and they charge completely forever, then, you know, I'm less yeah, concerned. If only they could wirelessly charge each other. You just slap an iPhone. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's all we need. All right, well, I want to, let's, let's wrap up with uh, one tip and then one well, last question for you. So this tip is on batch renaming. I'd be curious if you do this, William, but, you know, sometimes you got to rename a bunch of files all at once. Maybe you got a bunch of hmm. images you're trying to rename or just a bunch of text files. Well, if you didn't know, on your Mac, on Mac OS, you can select however many files you want, right-click, and there is that rename command. And when you've selected multiple files like that, right-click and rename, you can format and you can actually change the entire name with a counter or index. You can add or replace text on a bunch of files. So maybe you just want to remove the letters DSC because you have a bunch of images, but you want to keep the number. You can actually do all of that built into Mac OS. And you can rename files that way. Now, do you do it? If you need to rename files, William, do you use that rename function or do you do some crazy uh, 
what is it? Was it a, not text expander, but the uh, keyboard maestro? Do you have some keyboard maestro stuff for that? Previously, <laughs> I actually used to use an app uh, called a Better Finder rename, oh and I remember it got up to version ten. I don't know if it's still running because I mean it did more than sure. Apple did, but what Apple does and how however long ago it is since I found out that they did it, it that's all I ever need from it. So yep, I select them in the Finder. I use app macOS's own built-in thing i do have lots of keyboard micro macro keyboard maestro scripts for doing bits with files and um i know when you save a file it's saved with the the current date and time say a created by and modified dates but it's shocking how easy it is for them to lose that when you move between devices so i will use a text expander thing to pop today's date into a file if i know mm. i'm going to need it later but other than that for actual renaming yep that thing in the mac is William, I don't, I don't know what aisles you walk down to find these random Mac utilities that I have never heard of. Every time. Stick Spanta is a random. <laughs> no, no, your your finder rename, your better rename on the Mac. Yeah. Like, oh, right. I have never yes. ever heard yes. of that. It's a very good I, app. Where do you find these, William? Do you have like carrier pigeons from these utility makers? They're just dropping uh, QR codes to their app. Well, how do you find these? Yes. Yes. That's <laughs> about it. Yes. I was trying to do the, some improv there. Wayne. Just... I was waiting for you to yes and me. Yes and. Okay. And when you do improv, the answer is always yes. Yes and. I do. I get a, a morning delivery of uh, milk and apps. That's, that's what I get. Um, Every milk jar has a QR code on the bottom for a new Mac utility. This is why William's got 250 apps on his Mac. That's what it is. I've been trying to cut down out of guilt since you last mentioned this. Yeah, you don't have to be guilty. I mean, you, this, this might help somebody someday. You're, you're like the Mac utility, uh, I don't know, the, the, the guru, the guy on the top of the mountain. You got all the Mac utilities up there. Anyway, okay. your, your better rename tool is actually in the Mac app store right now. It's actually called Better Rename 11. Oh, right. 11? <laughs> version Whoa. 11. All right. And you can buy it. It goes to 11. It, go, it goes up to 11. That's right. Yeah. Yes. It's a music reference. <laughs> but you can actually get it. It's $25, William. $25 for a renaming tool. Wow. Okay. Well. I actually, I'm, I remember thinking it's one of those apps you don't use very often, but yeah. when you do, it was stupid tremendously useful and it was um i don't remember it being that much but it, it, i felt that it was well worth it when i used it i mean maybe i'm just i, I actually have I, I do a video now a video youtube video series and i have quite a system for numbering all of the different assets screen recordings files and things and a lot of it's automated for me otherwise i would be ending up with 40 or 50 assets maybe per video and i would have mm -hmm. to rename them all and that kind of volume a utility is probably oh, no, useful, but the Mac it, does it, and I... Well, yeah, and this looks pretty cool. I mean, you can actually pull data from a file to use in the naming convention, oh. and you can do multi-step renaming, like format, and then add. So it looks pretty powerful. Here's here's what I'm hoping for. Listeners, get, get on the Twitters. Tweet at me your most obscure Mac utility that you know, and then next time William's on the oh. show, we're going to find out if... if <laughs> If he actually, if, if he, he uses it, if, if William has it installed on his Mac, we're going to try and find one that he has not yet used. <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> That's what I want to use. Is there a Ted Lasso app? No, no, you no. could win no, that. Apple already gave up. All right, my last question is for you, William, because I, I, I saw this. Oh, my God. Did you activate Siri? What was that? Sorry. My iPhone just tried to answer something about Ted Lasso. <laughs> it tried to autoplay it. It tried to autoplay it. Yes. Uh, my last question, I saw this question on Twitter. When it comes to notifications, and let's, you know, there's so many different apps we could talk about notifications, but I'm just curious about email. Do you use the stock mail app? I forget. Or do you use something else? You do. Mm, yes, I do. Do you have notifications enabled for mail? Yes, but actually quite surprisingly often I will uh, quit mail. To concentrate on what's going on, I, I'm uh, mail is my Achilles heel because I, I love email and I cannot stop myself jumping at the red dot and even turning focus mode on, which I do do sometimes, knowing that there might be a red mm. dot there is distraction enough, so I quit <laughs> it and then I enjoy opening it to see one new email. Wait, after so all this you're time. saying you actually yeah. enjoy email, William? What? Love email? Yes. I'm, I don't understand. Yeah, it's great, huh? <laughs> I don't well, maybe I just correspond with really funny oh, okay, people, maybe. but I, I, I relish the emails uh, I get in, and I like writing back, and I love typing, I love thinking through the keyboard. Yeah. I do remember somebody told me they were complaining about their job, that by the time they'd left work and got home, they had seven emails waiting for them, and I was clearly supposed to go, oh, that's awful. 
That's terrible. Okay, wow. <laughs> well, but on your iPhone, do you have notifications on your iPhone for mail? Uh, yes, but a similar thing. Um, I will switch it off uh, quite yeah, a lot yeah. for that kind of thing. Well, I'll switch to airplane mode every now and again when I have to get on. Wow, that's that's with a... something. I, I like the interruption, but yeah, it's the cognitive load, isn't it, of switching back right. to what you've got. So I like the Apple Watch notifications. That seems to be the quickest thing. A glance, I can see whether I need to care about it right. and carry on. The rest are more, the Mac and the phone are more involved, so they're a problem. Yeah, I, I but. typically don't enable, I would get notifications a lot if I had all mail notifications on. That's why I love the VIP feature. I've talked about it before. It's one of the reasons why hmm. I struggle with third-party mail apps because that VIP feature, the way it syncs across all the devices and is, I could customize it where, you know, custom notifications sound for my VIP uh, email senders. I really enjoy that. And so I do VIP only and I'm very selective who is in the VIP. So I only get notifications from specific people, but some people have like just email notifications just on like every new email shows up right on their lock screen. And sometimes I'll see that on people's iPhones and it's just seems like overload. So also not only tell me listeners, what utilities you have on your Mac, super obscure. Tell me, do you have email notifications on for all your emails? Is that like not overwhelming? I'd be curious. I don't know. Far more interesting. If you know a way to find out whether we're on Stephen's VIP list. Oh, that's, that's, that's top secret. That yeah. is top secret. Right. There's got to be a moment when I send you an email or something. I could send you an email that says, I'm wrong about Ted Lasso. Oh. I am converted. And you would respond immediately. And then I'd know whether that I got true. through the VIP yeah. thing. I'm working this. I'm working. Yeah, that. yeah. That, that, would, that would be a way. <laughs> I would definitely respond immediately. So tweet at us about all of that. You can find our Twitter handles in the show notes. Links to everything we talked about, even those obscure uh, products we talked about, like that 88-inch monitor. I'm going to put all that in the show notes. You can enjoy those there. And if you want an ad-free version of the show, support us on patreon.com slash Apple Insider or directly in Apple Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.